Hey, well, holy moly, it's another podcast, and my name is Corey. So, here we go. A lot of things going on in my life right now. I've, I've done a lot, I've been going a lot of places, and really making progress in a lot of my endeavors here. So, let's talk about it a little bit. First of all, uh, this here podcast that you're listening to is called Midnight Corey. Um, why do I call it Midnight Corey? Well, there's a long story behind it. I was trying to explain it at uh, Horror Realm this weekend. This is like my third podcast uh, that I've ever done. I started back in like 2005 or 2006 doing a, a purely musical podcast. I would just write a song, record it, and then just release it. And uh, didn't have a lot of listeners at all, but uh, it was just something fun to do. I want to see how often I could just write and record songs because I love making music. And uh, so I did that for a while, and I was uh, I had begun listening to the Midnight Podcast, which uh, Root Rot. Uh, created and was hosting at the time, and uh, it was really, really cool. And uh, so I started getting in touch with the show and sending in reviews and doing stuff. I just really liked Root Rot and really liked talking about zombies. And, well, uh, that kind of evolved into me quitting that first podcast. It was called Podcast M. And uh, taking over the Midnight Podcast after, after episode 100, of course, and I did 71 episodes, plus a bunch of extra episodes for that, and uh, it was like a year, year and a half. And uh, then I got into all kinds of drama. All kinds of drama. I, I soon found myself mired in the muck of everything horrible <laughs> about podcasting. <laughs> and so I couldn't uh, just, I couldn't take it. I didn't want that out of podcasting, so I quit the Midnight Podcast last January, and uh, it didn't take me long, just uh, the span of a few months, four or five months, before I decided I wanted to start podcasting again. And I called it Midnight Cory because that was the name of a blog that I had been man maintaining while uh, I was doing the Midnight Podcast. And I'd, I'd set it up, actually, because I was writing. And uh, I was doing National Novel Writing Month and wanted to put that all up on my blog. Uh, that was last year. So, uh, you know, I decided to call it Midnight Corey because it kind of identified me as, you know, I, I was doing the Midnight Podcast, but, uh, you know, it was kind of my own blog off to the side of that. So when the Midnight Podcast was done, of course, I wanted to begin podcasting again, and I wasn't going to resurrect the Midnight Podcast. Screw that. I, I didn't want a zombie podcast again. I didn't even necessarily want a horror podcast again, although I talk about a lot of horror and zombie stuff. So... Um, I just decided to kind of leave it open, I'll call it Midnight Cory, and uh, I, I kind of left it undefined. Uh, it would kind of have to do with stuff on my blog, because I write crazy stuff on my blog, but it would also kind of be its own thing also. So, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> I didn't plan on going into any of this at all about how I got the name for the podcast. It, uh, like I said, I was trying to explain it at Horror Realm this past weekend, and uh, a couple other people have, have asked exactly what the podcast is about. And I tell them, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. It's it's about, uh, you know, stuff. <laughs> but, <sighs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, this uh, Midnight Cory podcast, whatever it is, thing, is the official podcast of the Italian zombie movie, and I can't wait to be hooking up with Tom Burdinsky and a bunch of other very, very cool people from the Italian zombie movie. 
uh, at uh, Cinema Wasteland. I'm sorry, I was just typing there to get on Cinema Wasteland's website, cinemawasteland.com, just to see who's going to be there um, as far as celebrities go. And I don't think there's going to be as many people at this one that I want to meet and talk to as at the one that I just went to here in the spring, which was like the Zombie 2 reunion. Really, really cool. Uh, Bill Heinzman's going to be there, and I just talked to Bill, actually, at uh, Horror Realm. Uh, Kane Hodder is going to be there, apparently. Haven't met... Uh, or I did meet him, actually. This will be... Uh, the second time I've seen Kane. But uh, the big one here that I am really excited, I've never met him before and I'll be able to talk to him, is uh, Lloyd Kaufman, of course, the trauma guy. So, yeah, yeah, Lloyd is Lloyd is fantastic. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, Tom Sullivan's going to be there. That's going to be cool because I didn't really talk to him at all when I was there in April. So that's going to be good. There are going to be a bunch of people there. Maybe I'll end up, you know, meeting people and talking to people I didn't know before. And that's the great thing about these conventions is, you know, you get to meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of people that you maybe didn't know before. You maybe weren't into their work before. But once you get to know them, then, uh, you know, they turn out usually to be really cool. Unless they're like Tom Savini. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. But anyhow, yeah, Tom Burdinsky is going to be there. Italian zombie movie uh, parts one and two. Go check them out. Fantastic. Oh, boy, it's a big old rambling show today, isn't it? I'm, I'm just running off at the mouth about, about anything and everything. Well, uh, MidnightCory.com is my website. That's where a bunch of crazy things go up. Of course, my Twitter feed is also there. You can follow me on Twitter, which is always a fun, fun, <laughs> interesting adventure um corpsecollective.com is another great site you need to go check that out and uh, let's talk about my movie here for a little bit before i get into talking about horror realm and the other things that we'll be discussing uh during this episode or whatever um i'm making a movie a one-man movie it's going to be a short i wrote the script uh, i've started it and i've realized i've been working on it for like almost two months now which is insane but uh, I got to tell you, I hit a huge milestone this week, and I will be posting a video update uh, very soon. I haven't posted one in a long time. And I feel like people uh, are maybe thinking I kind of dropped off and quit the project. I absolutely did not. I hit a huge milestone this week. Uh, did a lot of shooting, a lot of reshooting. I'm uh, doing a lot of things in After Effects, not special effect After Effects things. But more along the lines of shot correction, uh, doing some compositing, things like that in After Effects. So it's really hard for me to really give you interesting visuals here because I want to save a lot of what I'm doing uh, for the movie. You know, I don't want to give anything away, obviously. And, um, you know, if it's just me as a talking head just in front of the camera, you know, how, how fun's that? Nobody wants to look at my ugly mug, so... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I, I will post another one. I'll let everybody know what's going on. So, yeah, that is making huge, huge progress. And uh, I hope to be finished with shooting here uh, relatively soon. Definitely, definitely. Uh, what are we? We're getting into October. So hopefully by the end of October, all my shooting will be done and I'll be into the, the full-fledged post-production pro uh, process. So, all right, all right, let's, uh, let's just get into talking about Horror Realm. Uh, this, this year, Horror Realm, it was at the uh, Crown Plaza Hotel, Pittsburgh South. Uh, it was a fantastic time. I went down Friday night, spent the night in another hotel down there, because the Crown Plaza was already booked, and I didn't decide I was staying until, you know, right before I went. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but my hotel was uh, right down the road, so it was no big deal. 
But uh, I was really excited this year. Last year was a blast, uh, mostly because of the people that you get to hang out with. A lot of the people that you've met online who maybe you've never talked to face-to-face before. So it's really great going down there and hanging out. And this time, yeah, yeah, it was the same, same thing. Now, the things I'm going to talk about here, what I got to do, who I got to meet... What we talked about and everything like that is in no particular order. Um, I was just taking notes and things just as they came to my mind, I took them down. And this is pretty much the order of uh, my chain of thinking, which has nothing to do with reality. <laughs> so, um, so the first thing I want to talk about is I screened one movie while I was down there. This was an exclusive uh, nobody else had ever seen this movie outside of the people who made it, so we were the first public audience to be able to see this. It was a movie called Chain Letter, and uh, directed by Dion Taylor, and uh, actually, uh, Rhiannon Freighter asked me to sit in on this screening because she knows uh, the one guy, his name is uh, Bar Potter, and he's the CEO of Dion Taylor Enterprises, and he was the representative at the convention for this movie, and a uh, fantastic guy. Uh, he spoke, and uh, it was very, very cool. But the uh, movie's called Chain Letter, and uh, let me tell you, it's, it is fun. This is a low-budget movie, but it's one of those low-budget movies where if you didn't tell me it was low-budget, I would have said that this thing had millions and millions to work with because it was done so well. It was really, really great, um, the, the effects... At times, they were so brutal, and they were so good, and it looks like they spent a ton of money on it. So, real fun movie. It hits select theaters at the beginning of October. I believe it's the 7th when that opens. But, uh, man, I had a great time seeing that movie. And, uh, yeah, so look for it. It's called Chain Letter, directed by Dion Taylor. And uh, you're going to want to see this. So, thank you to Barr, and thank you to Rhiannon for uh, hooking me up with that. The Chain Letter. Fantastic. So I got to the convention, um, and one of the first guys I met was Jake Bible. Jake, the writer of Dead Mech, which he is also podcasting. And I'll tell you what, Dead Mech is a thick, thick book. <laughs> man, man, uh, but Jake is a fantastic guy, fantastic guy. So, yeah, I got to talk with him, and then uh, I also, I think right before I met Jake, I was talking with Ben Rogers and Beth, his publicist, and uh, or his his agent, I, I want to get that right, but I'm sure I screwed it up. But anyhow, th- th- these these are some of the nicest people in the world. Ben Rogers is the writer of Faith in the Undead, which is uh, a book that I'm actually reading right now. He asked me if I could uh, give it a read, and I am in the middle of like a million things right now. I'm I'm the kind of guy I can't read just one book at a time. And I have to be reading like 10, 15 books at a time, honestly. And so it's like, it takes me forever to get these things done. Faith in the Undead is one that I am in the middle of right now. And uh, it is very original, very well written. This is Ben's first book. And uh, man, I talked to Ben for a long time and he kind of gave me some insight. He's looking into making this uh, a trilogy. And uh, he's telling me a little bit about the ideas that he has for book two and then book three. He didn't give anything away, but he, he just gave me kind of the flavor for what was going to go on in the next couple books and just how crazy this gets. And I'm really enjoying Faith in the Undead so far, and I'm really glad I got to meet Ben and Beth, just fantastic people. Now next, I knew that I would be running into some people that I've been tweeting with. Oh, I hate using the word tweet. Uh, yeah, all the, the, you know... The fancy jargon that's out there right now for social networking and uh, everyone's tweeting 
Hey, tweeps! All the tweeple out there. I, ah, man, it's just like nails on a chalkboard for me. Anyhow, uh, we've been talking on Twitter back and forth with... Uh, I, I have been talking on Twitter back and forth with a lot of people, and I knew that Big Ugly Harry Scary would be there. Uh, that's his name on Twitter. His real name is Eric. He's a fantastic guy. He is a writer. He was handing out some of his stuff. Uh, he gave me a CD to listen to, and uh, do you think I've listened to that yet? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Everything from Horror Realm that I have is in a gigantic pile here, to be honest with you, because I got books, uh, I got CDs, I got all kinds of literature for things, and uh, no movies, though, this year. I did not pick up one single movie. This year, which is interesting. But anyhow, I hung out with Eric, like, the whole time I was there on Friday. Uh, during the whole convention, basically, and then after it shut down, we hung out, we went to the hotel bar, and uh, that's pretty much where we stayed until we retired to our hotels at the end of the night. But Eric is a great guy. A great guy. He's also going to be at Cinema Wasteland, and um, I know there's, there's a book of his coming out here real soon. He was hoping to have a table at Horror Realm because he anticipated that his book would be out by the time that uh, Horror Realm came around, but uh, there are a few things delayed there, so it's going to come out real soon, and I'm looking forward to that because uh, he's a guy I'm so glad I got to sit down and meet him and just hang out and have a few beers with him because that was really fun, and he is a very intelligent guy. It's like all these people I'm meeting are a lot smarter than me. I'm coming to find out. I'm, uh, you know, king of the uh, stupid people a lot of times. And, uh, man, man, uh, what can you do? And uh, the, the next two people I'm going to talk about, these are people I knew would be down there. They were at Horror Realm last year, and I've talked to them on my podcast, on, you know, on the Midnight Podcast, and on this one before. Uh, are Rob and Laura Best. And you know Rob Best writer of Lakewood Memorial, Ashton Memorial, and uh, he and his wife were down there, and man, man, Rob and Laura Best are two of the coolest people in the world, hands down, let me tell you. Oh, man, I mean, I, I already knew this, because like I said, I've talked to them before, and I've hung out with them before, and I knew they were cool, but this year, I had a lot of fun with those guys, I really did. So I get there, and when you get a weekend-long pass at Horror Realm, you get this little badge that you pin on, and it says you know, guest and uh, Horror Realm 2010, whatever. And uh, so I go up and I, I start talking to them. And nobody, by the way, I was bearded this year and nobody recognized me, which was great. Nobody knew who I was and so many people identified me solely by my voice. And that was really flattering. I mean, a bunch of people, people I wouldn't have thought, said, uh, you know, oh, hey, you do that podcast. I recognize your voice. And they didn't recognize me with the beard, though. <laughs> So, yeah. But, uh, so anyhow, Rob and Laura didn't even know who I was at first. I came up to the table, so I had some fun there. But, uh, Laura was like, hey, you need your name on the name tag so people know who you are. Because to look at you, people, nobody knows who you are. But here, here. So she takes out a Sharpie, she takes my badge, and she puts The Midnight Cory. Okay, puts it back in, which is really, really cool. But then later on, Rob, you know, starts laughing. You know, I come up to the table and he's just laughing and shaking his head. And he's like, you know, he's like, it's kind of funny. People are going to think that you wrote that on there because people think that they should know who you are. And, uh, you know, people are going to think, you know, maybe you wrote that on there and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you are the Midnight Quarry. I mean, come on, everybody knows the Midnight Quarry. Kind of like the Dunwoody, you know. But uh, I'm like, that's a good point. But that's kind of funny, too, so I'm just going to let it as it is and let people have that question in their 
head. So I went around this weekend as the Midnight Cory. Thank you to Laura Best. And so, of course, I'm there and I hung around their table an awful long time. And I was enjoying Magic Hat beer. While I was there, the hotel, they had a little bar set up for the convention where they were selling bottles of Magic Hat for $2.50, which is a steal. I mean, that's a steal anywhere for a draft. But uh, whenever you have a bottle, especially at a hotel, you know, you're, you're going to pay five bucks at least for a bottle of beer, a good beer at a hotel. But uh, yeah, Magic Hat at the convention was only two fifty, And so I was going around having a couple of those. And I come up to the table, and and uh, I had one, and Rob Best pulls out a Guinness. And he's like, hey, this is what I'm drinking. And got a big smile on his face, and I'm like, ah. Oh. I'm like, you know, as good as Magic Hat is, I love Magic Hat's beer. I was drinking the uh, Hex. And uh, <laughs> I love Guinness, though. And I haven't had a Guinness for a long time, and, and Rob's Guinness looks so good. So cool and tasty. Although you're supposed to drink Guinness warm. But, uh, oh, it looked good. So I'm like, oh, man, you know, I, I'm envious. I'm envious because I love me my Guinness. And uh, Rob's like, well, I'll, I'll get one for you. And I was like, no kidding. Rob Best is going to give me a Guinness. He had brought his own personal stash of Guinness. And he went clear up to his room to get me an extra Guinness. Now, uh, of course, nobody had a bottle opener. <laughs> so we have these beers. So Rob's like, oh, of course, I don't have a, a, a bottle opener, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And I'm like, well, Rob, let me let me show you the lighter trick that I learned in college. So I got a lighter, and of course, that's where you put your hand around the neck of the bottle, and then uh, you kind of wedge the lighter in between your thumb and the edge of the bottle cap, and you flick the, the cap off. And if you do it just right, then uh, the bottle cap should fly right off. Well, of course, I... <laughs> I even in college, I could never perfect this move. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you use it at parties all the time because nobody, you know, very few people carry around bottle openers anymore. So, uh, yeah, you do the little lighter trick, and it's very hit or miss for me. I've only successfully performed the move, uh, you know, maybe two or three times throughout my entire lifetime. So I'm, I'm showing Rob this trick, and of course, I don't get it right, and it only kind of pulls up the bottle cap a little bit. It doesn't come off at all, so I keep working it, keep working it. Eventually, I get it, it pops off, but of course, there's a jolt when the bottle cap pops off, and uh, beer starts frothing over the top of the, 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 <laughs> the bottle and everything. I get it all over the place. My hand is coated in beer, but Rob is a really nice guy, and he is gracious enough to just say, oh, thanks for opening up and anything. He wasn't mad at me. He even, like I said, he went up, he got me a bottle of Guinness, and of course, when I'm cracking open my own bottle of Guinness, the, the lighter trick worked a lot better, and I didn't spill my own beer all over myself, so I feel like kind of a jerk for that. But uh, I gotta thank Rob for uh, going out of his way and really bending over backwards in order to uh, get me a very, very tasty brew. And uh, man, man, Rob and Laura Best, like I said, they are two of the most fantastic people to ever grace this earth. And if there is one thing that you should go out and do is, uh, you know, go try and connect with them. And uh, you'll, you'll be glad you did. Fantastic, fantastic people. You should check them out. RobertRBest.com, I think, is his blog. And uh, they're on Twitter also. So, yeah, can't say enough about them. But moving right along, because this is getting very long here. I'm talking for a long time. 
while I was at the whole section, the whole corner of Horror Realm that is the Library of the Living Dead corner with a ton of authors, I also got to meet Tanya Brown, who is the author of uh, an, an erotic zombie book called Lucky Stiff. Another book that I'm in the middle of reading right now. I've uh, actually begun it and... Uh, so Tanya emailed that one to me like a long time ago, and I had to apologize to her. I'm just like, I feel so bad for not having finished your book and reviewed it yet, but uh, it's just there's so much right now. <laughs> and she was very, very cool. Uh, another author uh, I got to meet for the first time was D.L. Snell. And uh, I met him after the uh, Saturday morning mega author panel which went on down there. Uh, this was a, a panel first thing in the morning, Saturday morning. So 10 a.m. We have this panel. Now we're in this we're in this small conference room, and they have a table set up. Literally, they crammed 16 authors around this thing uh, to do <laughs> to do a big joint panel. This is the biggest they've ever attempted. Dr. Puss was moderating this. Of course, you know I got to talk to Dr. Puss several times throughout the weekend. And uh, he, he is a fantastic guy. You, you guys do know Dr. Puss. You should. Um, but he is a fantastic uh, human being as well. And he did a great job moderating what was basically a big zombie discussion. And we had people like, you know, Ben Rogers, Jonathan Mayberry, Tanya Brown. Um, I'm going to miss D.L. Snell, of course, Rob Best, David Dunwoody. Uh, the list goes on. I'm not going to try to name everybody, but those are the, the first ones off the top of my head that were there. And I wasn't sure how this big mega panel was going to go off. You know, 16 people, they give you about an hour, uh, 45 minutes or an hour. And uh, so how are 16 people going to effectively say anything at all <laughs> whenever you have a very limited amount of time? And I'll tell you what, it it went off fantastic. It was great. It was informative. It was very deep. People uh, have some really, really interesting takes on zombies and why they write about zombies and their their opinions and preferences about the whole zombie mythos. And, uh, man, people are so smart. And I am so stupid. I I'm sitting there with Eric. We're, we're in there uh, watching this panel, and I am just in awe of the, the brilliance and the intelligence in each one of those authors. Everyone was really insightful and really fantastic. So that went off great. Dr. Puss had, had great questions, and he, he emceed the thing in such a way that it uh, went very smoothly, and the time went very quickly. I wish we could have had more time. But uh, yeah, that went off well. And then afterwards, I'm, I'm walking around the convention again, ran into D.L. Snell, which uh, I've seen him and involved in uh, a lot of permuted press things, and I've seen his name on a lot of stuff. And uh, I got to talk to him for a long time about zombies and about uh, just, uh, you name it, zombie land we talked about. And uh, he actually gave me a book of his to review, which is Demon Days with uh, Richard Finney. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to be uh, reading that and uh, giving you a review of that. And hopefully, I'll, I'll, hopefully, I'll bring DL on the podcast here and we can talk like we did at Horror Realm because he was a lot of fun. I could have spent like the whole day just standing there talking to him about anything and everything. So yeah, I was really glad to finally meet him. Now, speaking of Permuted Press, I got to meet Jacob. He is the man behind Permuted Press and uh, he was another guy I could have stood there and talked to forever. Uh, Jacob, I, I met him last year, 
but uh, it really was pretty much, you know, hey, my name's Corey, handshake, love your books, blah, blah, blah. And that was that was really about it. I didn't really get to get into anything with them. And this year we talked for a long time. Uh, we talked about podcasting, doing reviews and and uh, the books. We talked about Permuted Press. He told me a little bit about how it started and how it's just basically out of his passion for uh, discovering new authors and putting new fiction out there, zombie apocalyptic fiction. And, uh, man, it was just great meeting him. And he, he's going to send a few books my way, which I am very appreciative of. And I can't wait to read some of it. There are some ones he was telling me about that, uh, yeah, I just cannot wait. So Jacob from uh, Permuted Press, a fantastic guy. And everybody, everybody was fantastic. Oh, man, the, the joy was, was just out of this world. Now, do you remember last Halloween? We're coming up on Halloween again this year. Coming up on the month of October, my favorite time of the year. Last Halloween, I told you about a CD called Zombie Influx from Buzzworks. And this was a CD of atmospheric music. It was apocalyptic, uh, zombie kind of background that was perfect to play at your Halloween party. Or just to keep on playing at your house. Just put it on a loop and listen to it constantly. But uh, it was a fantastic CD. I got to know Buzz from Buzzworks. I interviewed him on the Midnight Podcast, and he's a fantastic guy. And I've seen him at a lot of conventions since then. Cinema Wasteland, last year at Horror Realm. So, yeah, it was no surprise. Buzz was down there again with his booth. And uh, I, I talked to Buzz. Uh, and I met uh, Justin, a, a guy who was there with him, and both really, really nice guys. And uh, let me tell you... I. I could just I could just sit there and talk to Buzz all day. Uh, he is such a fantastic guy, a really nice guy. He has a lot of new exciting things coming out uh, with Buzzworks, uh, collaborating with a lot of uh, a lot of musicians, a lot of really talented people. So uh, yeah, there's some exciting things going on. But I'm gonna do another review this year, or uh, just another plug for Zombie Influx. I'll be uh, telling you about that once October hits here again, and I'll be telling you about more stuff to come up that's uh, really cool here with uh, Buzzworks. So yeah, that was great. Now let me uh, let me say that uh, there were a couple authors there before I get to the celebrities now. <laughs> and this is going so long, but I just have to talk. I just have to talk. So you have to listen, and that's just what you got to do, and uh, or else just fast forward or not listen at all. You know, I, I'd I'd prefer if you're gonna gripe, then just uh, you know don't listen, don't listen. If you're gonna cry about how long things are going or you didn't like this or that. I appreciate criticism and all if it's done constructively and actually half-intelligently. But uh, unfortunately, that's not how a lot of the criticism comes along, you know, and uh, which I've discovered. So, yeah, yeah. If you're going to cry, just don't listen. Just go away. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, where was I? What was I talking about? Oh, two authors down there. And I'm sure there were many more than that. But uh, two authors that I'd gone down there and was looking forward to talking to and hanging out with. Uh, I've actually I have met them before. Um, but I did not get a chance to talk to or even say hi to this weekend was the Dunwoody, David Dunwoody, and Jonathan Mayberry, two huge authors. Um, and I don't mean huge like, wait, I, I mean huge as in hugely talented and uh, very, very awesome guys. Um, David Dunwoody, of course, author of Empire and a lot of other stuff. Uh, Jonathan Mayberry, author of Patient Zero, which is the first book of his that I read, which is fantastic. So, fantastic author, and uh, both of these guys were on the mega panel on Saturday morning, and uh, at least I got to hear them speak there. 
But every time I went around the, to their spot in the tables at the convention, they weren't there. And it was just a timing thing. I know that they were manning their tables, as they should be, but you got to take a break. So every time that they were off either talking to somebody, they were maybe taking a break, that's when I was there saying, oh, I, I want to, I got time now, I can go talk to David Dunwoody. Or I got time, I can go talk to Jonathan Mayberry. Oh, cool. And they were never there. So yeah, yeah, just my luck. But one of these times, guys, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you. I, I got to talk to Dunwoody uh, last year, and uh, which was cool. But uh, Jonathan Mayberry still eludes me. And uh, I have a ton of respect for Mr. Mayberry. And uh, yeah, can't wait to talk to him. So uh, let's get on with the celebrities, the real famous people, the guests down there. Now, this is outside of the authors. These are more along the lines of movie people. Um, oh, oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I skipped over some very important ones. Rhiannon Frader, I mentioned her before. I got to talk to Rhiannon again. And it's so funny that her husband's name is Corey. So if I was near her table and she shouted Corey, of course I'm going to look. If somebody wants me, somebody wants to talk to me, ooh. And one time, now I'm right there, I walked right past her table, and she's like, Corey! And she was calling to her husband, and of course I turned, and I'm like, why, hello there, Ms. Freighter. And I started talking to her, and she's like, what are you doing? I, I didn't want to talk to you, I want to talk to my husband. And, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but that was cool. And she turned me on to Chain Letter, too, which was really great. But uh, the other people I got to talk to and meet up with, James Melzer and uh, his fiancée, Jenny, oh, man... Those are two more awesome, awesome people. Two more of the most wonderful people that you will ever meet on the face of this earth. I was so glad I got to talk to them uh, for the time that I did. Now, unfortunately, I was planning out on I was planning on hanging out a lot more than I did. I had to leave. Uh, what happened? I went to eat dinner Saturday night, and I, I planned on coming back to the convention after that and hanging out a little bit, maybe seeing what parties were going on and and whatnot, and. Uh, I called my wife after that. We were, we were staying at our in-laws this that weekend. And uh, so there were some things that came up. I, I had to actually get going home a little bit earlier than I intended. So I just, I ate dinner and left. Didn't go back to the convention and say goodbye to anyone. You know, whenever I left to, to uh, go eat, I was talking actually with uh, Melzer. And, and he's like, oh, you're going to be back. You'll be able to hang out later. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I'll be right back. I'm just going getting something to eat. And then I never came back. So what a jerk am I? <laughs> but uh, no, no. We we actually sat in together on uh, the Ken 4A panel. And uh, the Ken 4A panel, let me tell you, Ken 4A, if you get a chance to hear him speak, you will not be disappointed. He is so good. Oh, I love Ken 4A. And I talked to Ken before that. Also, um, I went to his table and did, you know, just to say hi, because I've seen him a lot, a lot now. And he actually recognized me for who I was. He remembered Eerie and, and in Horror Realm last year. And uh, so it was really cool. He actually recognized who I was and he remembered my name. Ken Foray remembers my name. Really? Wow. <laughs> it's just awesome. But uh, so while I was at his table, he told me this hilarious story about uh, working in Mexico City. He was uh, doing something, shooting something in Mexico City here just lately, and his whole shenanigans with shooting the movie and the airlines and stuff, hilarious, hilarious. When you talk to Ken Foray, you are guaranteed to come out satisfied. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Other celebrities that I got to talk with and meet, John Amplis, you know him, John Amplis was Martin. Uh, he was in Creepshow, he was in Day of the Dead, he was in Dawn of the Dead, um, yeah, yeah, Knight Riders, 
and he is a fantastic guy. He is a fantastic guy. I'm a huge fan of his. And uh, so, yeah, I got to talk to John Amplis. Got to talk to Chili Billy, Bill Cardill. Of course, the news reporter from the original 1968 Night of the Living Dead. Uh, and he is huge around Pittsburgh. He has been doing things on TV and radio in the Pittsburgh area for 50 years. And he is a legend around here. And I'll tell you what. He looks not a day over 50 years old. That man looks great. You know, I heard Chili Billy was coming to Horror Realm, and I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad that I get the chance to meet him, because he's getting up there in years. And, uh, you know, I, who knows? Anything can happen, so I want to, while I can, I want to be able to meet him. And uh, so he looks great. He's got a lot of more years in him. Uh, so, man, Chili Billy, that was huge. Huge. Now, uh, I got to talk to a couple guys then from uh, the uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, which was Dr. David Crawford. David Crawford played the, uh, oh, I can't remember, he was the guy on TV from Dawn of the Dead right at the very beginning, and he says some of my favorite lines from that movie, every dead body that is not exterminated becomes one of them. It gets up and kills, and the people it kills get up and kill. And also, they kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. You see, that's what keeps them going. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And he, he is a, a, why I call him Dr. David Crawford is he's actually a, a professor. He teaches acting. And I talked to him for a long time just about zombies, you know, fast zombies. He asked me. He's like, so what do you think about the fast zombie, slow zombie thing? And uh, so I'm like, oh, well, you know, I, I prefer the slow zombies. I can't really get into the, the fast ones. Fast ones just aren't as scary to me. And David Crawford was on my side. He's like, that's exactly it. And we got into why we appreciate the, the shambling, the slow zombies so much more. And uh, he is an intelligent guy. He's doing uh, some stage productions right now. Uh, do, dealing with Poe, with Edgar Allan Poe, and he has a Facebook page, and uh, so he gave me uh, his card with his information on it, and uh, I'm really hoping to uh, maybe catch one of his uh, his Poe stage productions, which is really, really cool. So yeah, David Crawford is a fantastic guy. Um, I also got to talk with uh, Frank Sorrell. Frank Sorrell was the gray suit zombie in Dawn of the Dead, and uh, I talked with him last year, I interviewed him, but uh, I'll tell you what, Frank is a nice, nice guy, and he is really appreciative of his fans, and I just love talking to him. I just really do. He actually, yeah, I, well, he said he remembered me from last year. I'm not sure whether he did or he's just being nice, but uh, Frank is a, a really, really nice guy. Now, there was a whole room for uh, Night of the Living Dead cast and crew members. Now, of course, I talked to most of these people last year at the Living Dead Fest that I went to over Halloween. They're not doing the Living Dead Fest this year, and uh, I got to talk to Gary Striner um, quite extensively about the things that went into making that decision on not to hold the Living Dead Fest again this year in Evan City. And it was just... Uh, the stars were not right. Um, a lot of things, it was just one thing after another... Uh, one setback after another. He thought he would have all his, his ducks in, in a row, everything was in line to go ahead with the festival, and then just a tidal wave would come in and knock it all down again. So he decided to cancel it this year. He is really hoping, though, for next year. He has some exciting plans for that, and I'm going to try and uh, help him out kind of on the web end of things to maybe uh, get that going again. But uh, yeah, Gary Striner, I've, I've talked to him on the show before. Gary was actually one of the original investors of Night of the Living Dead. Uh, he was the uh, in charge of sound. He did a lot of the sound work. And uh, also, he's brother of Russ Striner. 
which uh, Russ also played Johnny in Night of the Living Dead. So, yeah, I got to say hi to Russ while I was down there, too. Uh, Charles Craig was uh, one of the first guys who um, I talked to down there, and uh, he is a really nice guy. Uh, he was uh, one, He was on the TV. He was the, uh, the news reporter on the television in Night of the Living Dead. And uh, he was fantastic. Also, um, you got to talk to John Russo. And uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, uh, John Russo, he is a very opinionated guy. And uh, I told him I really enjoyed his short film that uh, they showed at the Living Dead Fest last year. And uh, I told him I really appreciated uh, how he likes to uh, train people, young filmmakers, and bring them up. And he's really a big independent film guy. And uh, yeah, I bought a uh, Return of the Living Dead poster from him because it was really cool. So yeah, John Russo, uh, always fun to talk to. Bill Heinzman was down there, all made up as a zombie, as uh, the graveyard zombie. The same kind of zombie that you see actually in his movie Flesh Eater. And uh, yeah, Bill is a really fun guy. I also talked to Kyra Schoen, who was down there. She was Karen, the little girl in Night of the Living Dead. Talked with George Kasana, the sheriff. I love George Kasana. <laughs> He's a great guy. They're dead. They're all messed up. Uh, talked to uh, Joe Unitas, who was the lighting guy for Night of the Living Dead. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, just a wonderful, wonderful group of people. Um, I also got to talk with Jeff Carney, who made Autopsy of the Dead, who was that, uh, I, I reviewed Autopsy of the Dead a while back, but uh, he, he put together a great documentary interviewing a lot of the uh, more obscure cast members and crew members from Night of the Living Dead, and uh, you, you need to go uh, check out Autopsy of the Dead if you haven't already. It's a great documentary. And uh, he also hooked me up with a copy of the Night of Living Dead soundtrack. Now this thing, this is, they took the original soundtrack and officially released it in ghoulish monophonic, <laughs> which is great. But uh, there's some great liner notes in this. I'm going to be reviewing uh, that CD here real soon. But Jeff's a great guy. And uh, he, he's another one. He recognized me from my voice, which was uh, amazing to me. Amazing to me. So that was Horror Realm. I have gone on for a really long time, almost 40 minutes in this whole introductory segment. And I've blathered on about Horror Realm, but I had a great time this year. Um, I got to thank everyone who did take their time out to talk to me. I didn't get any interviews this year because I just wanted to hang out. And that's what I did. I had a great time. And I am looking forward to Horror Realm 2011. All right. All right. Here's what we're doing as I get more coffee. We're going to talk about some more stuff on this here podcast. Gut movie reviews. We're going forward in time to 1953 with a movie called Scared Stiff. This is a Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis movie. And this is the next one, the next zombie movie. Now, it's been six or seven years since our last zombie movie. And, of course, that was Zombies on Broadway that I talked about last week. Now we come up to 1953. And what about Scared Stiff? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. I'm also going to talk about the brand new movie from my friends at the Splattercast. I'm talking about Outpost Doom. Yeah, yeah, this is a brand new horror movie. It's their second one. They started off several years ago with The Grand Horror, and now they've done a second film called Outpost Doom. I'll be uh, talking about that a little bit later on. In this week's Netflix Instant Watch recommendation, I'm going to recommend that you see Demonic Toys from 1992. Oh yeah, that's a full moon entertainment picture, 
and uh, I'll be telling you what I thought of it a little bit later on. I have a voicemail to play and some original music. Ooh, yes, got a cover for you this week, and uh, that's thanks to Johnny T. <laughs> and uh, his uh, podcast challenge. So anyhow, uh, let's talk about a a few zombie things here, and then I'll quit blathering here. This segment has gone on way too long. Um, Left 4 Dead, we're going to get some new downloadable content for uh, both Left 4 Deads, uh, the the original and Left 4 Dead 2, which is amazing to me that we have such this this crazy, feverish following for the original Left 4 Dead. A great game, don't get me wrong, but Left 4 Dead 2 is much better. And uh, people are still hanging on to the original Left 4 Dead, which, you know, that's that's great, I guess. But they're still releasing downloadable content for both, and they're releasing the same downloadable content, I guess, for Part 1 and 2. And there's also going to be a digital comic. There is a digital comic, actually. I think the first issue is already out. And uh, so, yeah, you can read uh, that. I I believe it's free, uh, from what I understand. So I'll give you the link to where you can uh, find out more about the the downloadable content and the digital comic for Left 4 Dead. Now let's talk about one of my favorite guys, and that's Rob Zombie. (laughs) I know most people uh, hate Rob Zombie. They'd love to hate on him because uh, he's a horror director, and horror fans love to hate horror directors, (laughs) I've found. Especially Rob Zombie. Well, he's making another film. I guess, uh, you know, he's kind of paused his production of The Blob remake in order to start a movie called The Lords of Salem. And this, I guess, will be a totally original movie set in modern-day Salem. And uh, this involves the demonic return of a 300-year-old coven of witches. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, sounds good, and uh, I know he's going to make it like only Rob Zombie can make it. So that's really interesting. Uh, I guess he's uh, set to begin touring, uh, like a three-week Halloween tour, of course, with Alice Cooper and the Murder Dolls here. So that's Rob Zombie. And speaking of Rob Zombie and the whole Halloween thing here, um, you're going to be able to watch for him. Now, I, I know that you all out there watch Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Uh, So you'll be able to see him uh, for their Halloween episode. Uh, He's actually going to help with the design and construction of a haunted house for the the Oregon School for the Deaf, which, I guess, uses this haunted house every year as a way to raise money for their school. And uh, this is a great cause. Rob Zombie, hey, hey, he's a philanthropist is what he is. So, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, no, that's, that's really, really cool, and I actually might try to DVR that or something just to see what Rob does and the crazy stuff that goes on there. But uh, all right, let's get on with uh, the rest of the podcast here. Howdy, everyone. This is Matt from DeadLantern.com's world-famous Splattercast. Now, when Jeff, DJ, Steve, and myself aren't discussing how Eisenstein's theory of dialectical montage provides a provocative counterbalance to the objective reality of Bazan's mise-en-scene in regards to George A. Romero's Night of Living Dead, we're making horror movies. Our latest film is called Outpost Doom, and it's available right now for the low price of $10, including free shipping. Outpost Doom is a story of two escaped prisoners who find shelter inside an old barn while being hunted by a giant tentacled monster. Once inside, they find a group of survivors who slowly realize that they are being hunted by something far more deadly than the monster outside. The film is a throwback to murder mysteries and horror films of the 30s and 40s. Eric from the Dark Hours podcast calls it, quote, Night of the Living Dead meets the Creeping Terror, unquote. So how do you get your hands on a glorious copy of this movie? Head on over to DeadLantern.com and order yours for the measly low price of 10 bucks, including that wonderful free shipping. 
DVD extras include deleted scenes, audio commentaries, and a documentary. Plus, you'll get a special handwritten note by none other than DJ himself. And if that doesn't entice you, consider this. Not only will you be helping to support indie filmmakers and a fellow podcast, but all proceeds go towards helping us make our newest film, Isabel, which is a gory slasher flick. So in effect, buying Outpost Doom makes you a de facto producer on our next film. How cool is that? Don't forget to visit Deadlantern.com to view a trailer for Outpost Doom and to purchase your very own copy. I thank you for your time, and we'll catch you on the Splattercast. Now, Outpost Doom, this is the next movie from my friends at the Splattercast. Uh, You should go listen to uh, the Splattercast. I'm hitting my microphone because my arms are waving around. Uh, (laughs) You should go listen to the Splattercast. That's at uh, deadlantern.com. Yeah, great guys. Smart guys know a lot about film, and their passion for film has overflowed into Outpost Doom. Now, I expected this to be better than the Grand Horror. You know, I expect them to have learned things. The Grand Horror was, was pretty rough. But uh, and they they knew that, but uh, it's a learning thing, and uh, you just learn from experience. And I think they have grown uh, quite a bit from uh, the grand horror now into Outpost Doom. Now this whole thing takes place in uh, this big old barn, and uh, it's a group of people running from this uh, monster that's outside, this tentacled kind of monster. And uh, so there's a lot of drama there. This uh, this is a movie, it's in black and white, and it's really an homage, okay, is exactly what this is to uh, movies like Night of Living Dead, to uh, black and white movies from the 50s, you know, drive-in kind of style, spooky, uh, go for a lot of atmosphere, a lot of dialogue. This is very, very dialogue-driven. Um, the special effects that they do are done fairly well. They use some CG in it, which is okay. Um, the lightning, uh, outside and rain, you know, is a little cheesy, but I think that they were maybe trying to add that element of fifties style cheesiness to it a little bit. And they did a lot of things right. I like the cinematography. I like the, the angles. They did good things with high contrast lighting. Um, and, uh, overall this is, this is another labor of love. These are people that are very passionate about film about filmmaking, and you can tell they have a lot of fun with it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's not a perfect movie uh, by any means, but the, again, this is low budget, and these are people doing it because they're having fun, and they're doing it for their friends, they're doing it for people who listen to the podcast and, and get on their website and everything, and I think you should go check this out. Uh, they, they did a lot of uh, very, very cool stuff in the movie, and uh, I appreciated it. Um, but I do have to say, my favorite role in the movie was uh, the one performed by DJ. And uh, I think he had he had the most presence, I think, of, uh, of anybody. And, um, but it, it was basically DJ playing DJ. <laughs> you know? Whatever character he was, I don't remember what his name was in the movie, but uh, I imagine he was, he was basically DJ. So, and I got this note. Um, let me tell you. Uh, well, I'm looking at the DVD right now, and, and the packaging, as was true with The Grand Horror, is, uh, is very good, very professional. Uh, nice liner notes, um, everything like that. Uh, this is written and directed by uh, Matt Kaiser, um, which, uh, you know, he's he's on the Splattercast. You know, Matt, uh, really, really cool guy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is great packaging. And uh, as always, you know, I ordered this from these guys, and uh, they, uh, they always take it upon themselves to write me a personalized note. Uh, DJ sends these out himself, and uh, every time... He, he sends them out, I, he, he personalizes it, which means a lot. You know, I feel like I'm loved. 
as a consumer. I, I feel like they're giving me special, special attention, and I can feel their warm caress. <laughs> so he wrote me a note with a grand horror, which was was uh, a, very funny. And here's the note that he wrote me. I, I, I hope DJ doesn't mind me reading this over the internet, but uh, this, this, was, uh, this was interesting. Corey, it feels great to have a strong, flexible, healthy back. It lets you walk, sit, stand, lift, reach, work, play, and sleep in comfort. It's your passport to an enjoyable life. We here at Dead Lantern hope that Outpost Doom will serve you well and your goal to have a strong and healthy back. Good luck, DJ. <laughs> yes, that says it all right there. Outpost Doom, you can find out how to order it. It's only 10 bucks at deadlantern.com. Go check it out. I had a lot of fun with it. And part of the coolness of this is seeing uh, guys that I've been listening to on the Splattercast uh, actually seeing them perform on screen because it helps me actually give a face to the voices. <laughs> the voices in my head. No, the voices on the Splattercast. And uh, I just love seeing them doing what they love to do. So again, Outpost Doom, check it out. Those faces, those terrible faces, I can't stand it. <laughs> Look, there they are again. Don't be scared, folks. No, it's only us. <laughs> If you think that's a tangle, wait until you see what happens to Dean and Jerry when a gang of ruthless killers get on their trail. Somebody's got to move. The heat's on in New York, so they stow away on a cruise to Cuba. Now I know what a sardine feels like. But the chill is on in the haunted castle of Lost Island when the boys go spook hunting with beautiful Elizabeth Scott. Nineteen fifty-three. Scared Stiff is the next zombie movie in our march through zombie history. Here, last week I talked about a movie from nineteen forty-five or forty-six. Uh, I believe it was forty-five, and uh, that, of course, was Zombies on Broadway. And we're going clear up to fifty-three before we see zombies come in here again. And that is, of course, Scared Stiff. Now, this is Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and to be honest with you. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I feel very deficient now as far as a film enthusiast goes because uh, this is the first Martin and Lewis movie that I've ever seen, and uh, I, I don't really know much about Jerry Martin, yeah, Jerry Martin and Dean Lewis, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. I, I knew that they were a comedy duo, lots of lots of popularity. And, um, you know, I know the Jerry Lewis telethon that just happened here and he was just on TV. He's still living. And so, uh, yeah, but this is the first of any other stuff that I've ever seen. And I don't know much about them. And after seeing this movie, you know, I've pretty much, um, summed it up as, as far as how I see these guys now, Dean Martin, I see him as pretty much a party man, likes the women, likes the ladies, likes to sing also. 
And uh, as far as Jerry Lewis goes, uh, he's pretty much a retard. And uh, yeah, yeah, their comedy is a lot of slapstick. Uh, I see a lot of uh, Three Stooges kind of influence in it. And it's just wacky, weird, over-the-top kind of stuff, especially Jerry Lewis. Especially Jerry Lewis. And uh, another big name, though, that appears in this film is Carmen Miranda. She is the lady that dances with all the fruit on her head. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, yeah, every, everybody has at least heard of or, or seen at some point Carmen Miranda. But uh, Scared Stiff, this is yet another in the long line of comedy duos in horrific situations. Um, but uh, like I said, the brand of comedy here is much different than any that I've watched so far in zombie movies. Uh, this is Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and they have their own specific brand of comedy here. And it's, uh, it's a little weird. It's the, uh, probably the weirdest brand of comedy that I've seen. But uh, right now, I can't get past it. Uh, scared Stiff is just a, a remake or a ripoff of the Ghost Breakers. And this is blatant. This is that there is no question about it. I mean, some of the other uh, horror movies that we've seen are, uh, you know, they've borrowed a lot from the Ghost Breakers. But this one, it is down to the scenes, down to the situations, the plot, everything. Everything except the very beginning is the Ghost Breakers through and through. So what we have here, Dean Martin plays a guy named Larry Todd. He's a singer in this hotel nightclub. And uh, he's been fooling around with the one uh, girl that uh, dances in his show. But he finds out the one night that this girl that he's fooling around with is actually uh, the girlfriend of this notorious gangster named Shorty. So, of course, this gangster has a room upstairs in the hotel. And uh, he finds out about Larry and his girlfriend. So, um, a waiter in this nightclub, played by Jerry Lewis, who's uh, named Myron... He decides, you know, he finds out that, you know, Shorty is not happy about this relationship between Larry and, and his girlfriend. So Short, or, uh, uh, Myron, Jerry Lewis, decides to take it upon himself to go upstairs and talk with Shorty and try and sort it all out for his good buddy Larry, because they're such good friends. So, of course, this is not a good idea. Larry finds out that uh, Myron has gone up to Shorty's room, runs up to get him. Okay, and this is where the movie... Uh, becomes exactly like the Ghost Breakers. Um, if you take what happens in the upper hotel area, the halls and the rooms of the hotel, at that point in the Ghost Breakers, you can line it right up here with the rest of this movie. Um, because uh, Dean Martin going through the halls. Now, we also cut to this scene of a woman who's staying in one of the hotel rooms. She just inherited a castle on some little island off the coast of Cuba. Uh, man's trying to persuade her to sell it, so he's there in her room trying to trying to buy it off of her. But she gets a phone call when he's there saying that, uh, oh, don't sell it, don't sell it, I'm just warning you right now. And it's a very mysterious phone call. And uh, then we go back out into the hallway where Dean Martin is lurking around, and he's looking for Shorty's room, and there, just to protect himself, he has a gun drawn. So, yeah, I don't know how Dean Martin got a gun. But um, anyhow, as he's lurking around, uh, one of the doors opens and a guy is shot. But uh, Dean Martin's gun goes off because he's so surprised and he thinks that he shot the guy. So that's exactly what we saw with Bob Hope 
you know, in the Ghost Breakers. Exactly, exactly. Uh, he runs to the, to the nearest room, and it happens to be the room of this woman who inherited the castle. And so the police come, and of course he hides in the trunk. The trunk gets put on the boat. Everyone gets on the boat, goes to this island, spooky island, ghosts, zombie, this, you know, so-called zombie, whatever. Same, same thing. Same exact thing. Um, you know. Oh, and I, I was really, really disappointed in that. Um, because, again, this is a very obscure movie. You can't find out much about it. And in fact, the only way I got to watch this movie at all is because I found it on uh, YouTube. In many, many parts. In like 15 parts or something like that. And, uh, man. Oh. I was so disappointed in this, and being my very first Martin and Lewis experience here, you guys aren't getting off on the on the right foot with me. You're really not. Um, you know, it is just blatant down to the scene. I mean, at one point, you know, Bob Hope in the Ghost Breakers, uh, when they get to the island and he's explaining what's going on there, he's like, "Oh, I'm a ghost breaker." And that's how he describes himself as he goes hunting for for ghosts and everything. But Dean Martin in Scared Stiff says that he's a ghost buster, which is really interesting because, well, first of all, he's, it's just a play off of what Bob Hope said, that he was a ghost breaker. Dean Martin says he's a ghost buster. I'm wondering if this is where the term ghost buster came from originally. Does anybody know? But I thought that was really interesting to hear that. I'm like, is that where they got Ghostbusters from? But uh, yeah, so Dean Martin describes himself as a ghost buster in this film. Um, but man, this just goes to show me, though, that, uh, you know, remakes have been happening for a long time. And, you know, going back to the 40s and 50s, yeah, remakes are nothing new. And it just seems like now, you know, we're getting a lot of remakes, a lot of remakes in the mainstream being publicized as remakes and and it just seems like now people do nothing but complain about them as if this is something new this is a new plague in filmmaking the remake the remake oh it, it's tainting filmmaking it's destroying originality you know and, and well no um this is nothing new uh maybe you should study some film history here and see that uh you know, people have had difficulty coming up with original ideas for a long time, and it's not just now. So, yeah, if you're going to complain about it, eh, go somewhere else. I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know what the one, the, the one big difference in between this and the Ghost Breakers is that there were no black people whatsoever in Scared Stiff. You know, in the Ghost Breakers, that was in the 40s, a lot of racial themes going on. You know, when you go down to the Caribbean area, that's a, that's a, a big thing. You know, white people and black people and the uh, kind of the social themes going on there. There were no black people in Scared Stiff whatsoever. They took them out. And uh, which... I don't know, kind of, is kind of peculiar. And I don't know how to take that. I really don't. Uh, was that a conscious thing? Uh, I don't know, but zero black people in, in Scared Stiff. So that's that's a little curious. Um, and uh, in, in Scared Stiff, uh, another big thing was that uh, there were a lot of songs. A lot of times when they just broke into songs and it was a little too heavy in that regard for my taste. You know, uh, they would break into songs, especially Dean Martin. Dean Martin couldn't help himself. 
And uh, I was just hoping that something really bad was going to happen in the middle of one of these, you know, more drawn out, sappy numbers that Dean Martin was going into. But unfortunately, no, no. Uh, so it was a little too, uh, a little too happy for me, a little too uh, kind of uh, almost a musical feel to it at times. And uh, eh, eh, I don't know about that. In fact, Dean Martin breaks into song four minutes into the movie. And uh, then, uh, you know, he beats the crap out of Jerry Lewis. I mean, literally, he punches him uh, several times in the face and in the back and in uh, all kinds of stuff. But then uh, they go backstage and they sing a little song together about being friends. You know, it's just, it's, it's not, not my thing. I don't know. And uh, also involved in this is some, some sappy Dean Martin romance, which, uh, again... I don't know. And it's just an awful long time. You know, this movie is about a half an hour longer than The Ghost Breakers. And it, it's because it does feel drawn out at times, uh, especially on the, the happier moments. The ones that were, I think, going to try to please a mainstream audience. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it could have been a lot shorter. If you cut out the singing, it would have been much better, much better. So... Uh, should you watch this? Well, it's free on YouTube. And... Uh, you know, it's kind of a scary little thing. You get the, the Martin and Lewis comedy, which is what it is, I guess. This just wasn't my thing. I'm not impressed by Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Sorry. So, uh, just based on the fact that this thing is a huge ripoff and is nothing original whatsoever, it's just Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis inserted into the Ghostbreakers, uh, minus the black people, uh, I'm going to give this one a 3 out of 10. I, I had four down here, but no. Now that I get worked up about it, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm docking you another point. Three out of ten for Scared Stiff. Uh, go watch something better. For 66 years, evil has been waiting. Watching. Wanting. For someone to play with its toys. It's the toys. Someone's inside the toys. <laughs> what do you want? Hey, are you signed up for Netflix? Uh, you, you really should be. Uh, I have a Netflix account, and uh, of course, I don't. Uh, I don't really endorse Netflix. Uh, they're not like a sponsor for this really big, huge, popular podcast. Uh, but if they were, man, that would be bringing in the bucks for me. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, I'm not into getting sponsors or advertisers like other podcasts. Anyhow, um, no, I just really, really like. I, I really, really like. Netflix. Uh, I, I like the selection. I love the instant watch thing. You know, that's kind of where technology's going. 
Uh, that's where movies are going. DVD sales are down. People are struggling to, to figure out how to, how to boost the sales of DVD and uh, DVDs. And it's uh, because of things like this, you know, people want things instantly. I, I want to be able to just pull something up right now and watch it right now. And it is so convenient to do whenever uh, Netflix will stream movies to you through uh, your computer, through your Xbox, your Wii. And I just, I just like it, but no, I'm not getting paid to say that. I don't know anybody at Netflix. I don't even care. Um, the people running it are probably idiots anyhow, and uh, whatever. I like the service. Any <laughs> anyhow, let me tell you what I recommend that you should go watch on Netflix Instant Watch this week. And that would be Demonic Toys from 1992. I've never seen this one before, but I noticed they've recently added it. And uh, something that kind of drew me to it was this was from Full Moon Entertainment, which uh, Full Moon uh, is a great, great uh, studio. And uh, Charles Band wrote and produced this one and uh, directed by Peter Manugian. Oh, obviously that mispronounce it, but uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I was uh, I was expecting a lot from this along the lines of Full Moon stuff. If you know Full Moon, it's it's more of a, a B movie kind of thing, but uh, they tend to do it pretty well. Now uh, in Deadly or uh, yeah, Deadly Demonic Toys, um, the plot here is that we have some criminals and they're selling guns, you know, doing the black market gun trade kind of thing. And uh, they meet up with a couple people at a warehouse one night, and uh, it ends up that the people they meet up with are undercover cops. So there's a bust going on here at the toy warehouse. But the bust goes bad, there's gunshots fired, one of them shot, of course uh, the, the one uh, cop is shot. And uh, so the criminals escape into the warehouse where, uh, of course, he's shot, so he's bleeding, and he goes into this room in the warehouse where his blood awakes this dormant demon who's been uh, lying there asleep for 66 years. And so the blood gives him enough power at this point to be able to possess the toys to do his evil bidding. So uh, he can also, this demon can also kind of temporarily manifest himself in different, different forms. And uh, for the most part, he chooses to uh, take on the appearance of this little boy until he can find a permanent body to come into the world as. So uh, the timing here is just right for this demon guy because he needs a human host to uh, fully break through into our world. And it just so happens that one of the police officers is pregnant and the demon plans on using her unborn baby uh, as his earthly body. And he intends on her giving birth a whole lot quicker than uh, she anticipated. So, yeah, yeah, this this movie is a lot of fun. A couple of the other characters in here who are a lot of fun, um, of course, are the pizza delivery guy and the security guard. The pizza delivery guy is great. He just does not care at all. Every night he delivers pizzas to this security guy who works in this toy warehouse. The security guy doesn't care whatsoever about his job. He sits there and drinks all night. And this, these two guys are great. They're two of my favorite guys in the movie. And uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, the whole movie is kind of bookended by uh, these ethereal scenes we see kind of taking place somewhere in eternity. And it's kind of this bright room full of clocks. And um, these two little boys are sitting in the middle of the room and they're playing 
war with a deck of cards, you know, the card game war. And one little boy represents good, the other represents evil. And um, so there's a struggle there. They're just playing war on the cards to see kind of which side has the advantage at that point in time in our world. So that's, that's kind of like the overarching story, you know, the battle between good and evil here. So, you know, that was really cool. And I'll tell you what, the movie is violent. The toys, the toys are cool. They're a lot of fun. They're, it, it's very violent. Um, and uh, a lot of blood and everything. Um, I have to say, it's one of the least cheesy, uh, possessed toy movies that I think I've ever seen. Um, and not to say that there aren't some cheesy lines in it sometimes, but I think I like this really uh, a lot as a possessed toy movie. I think uh, they did it really well. The effects aren't bad at all. The special effects are good. I like the big kind of the giant uh, werewolf toy thing at the end, although he seemed a little... Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think he could have been more aggressive than he was, but no big deal. It, it was cool and scary nonetheless. Um, but the effects, yeah, they're, they're much better than what I would expect from early 90s low-budget horror. So yeah, yeah, really good. I recommend that you go see Demonic Toys, available on Netflix, Instant Watch. On my scale of rating stuff in that, <laughs> I'm gonna give Demonic Toys a 7 out of 10. What have you been up to lately? Evil. Do you still want me dead? Of course. I'll always want you dead. Why? Because you are a pathetic fool. Oh boy, what a treat for you I have in my original music this week. Now, before I get into that, though, let me give you a word about last week's song. Uh, I got a response that was absolutely unbelievable from that song. <laughs> So many people at Horror Realm told me that they heard that song and just laughed and laughed and uh, loved it, apparently. Um, so I really appreciate the great response that I got for, <laughs> from last week's song. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Now, this week's song uh, is very different, uh, <laughs> as you will imagine. Now, let me give you the why. Why am I doing this song? Um, before I even tell you what it is. Well, do you listen to Johnny T's podcast? Yeah, Johnny's Cult Films podcast. I was telling you about episode one, where they were talking about me doing the Burt Bacharach Fight Club cover of Slow Drip, and how they thought it was really funny, you know, the way that I did it in kind of a death metal style, and they're like, oh, Corey should do a, a death metal cover of Waterloo by ABBA. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I took that to heart. Actually, they said that I should do a, a 10 minute cover of, uh, Waterloo. And, uh, actually they opened it up to really anything by ABBA, but, uh, I, I chose to stick with Waterloo this week. So that's what you're going to hear. <laughs> I couldn't draw it out to 10 minutes because I began writing it and it, it kind of started taking on uh, a shape of its own and kind of dictated itself as far as, uh, what the song needed to be. And I just kind of went with the flow. So here you go. Uh, here's my cover of Waterloo by one of my favorite bands from the 70s, ABBA.
Hey, Corey, this is Zombie Freedy calling from Chicago. Uh, first of all, I want to say um, hope you're feeling better. Uh, I have allergies, and I understand how it is. It really sucks. I basically have all my windows shut in my home and uh, had the air on, which is kind of weird. <laughs> my neighbors probably think I'm crazy. But um, um, also, um, I wanted to say the last podcast, I just uploaded it and listened to it. I'm driving, actually. I heard my mom to take her to a doctor visit. She's a senior, but while I'm in the car, um, I got so excited when I heard uh, your song. Um, and I don't know what the title was, but I know it was an original, and it had something to do with mail order zombie, which I'm sure. Um, but I really loved it, and uh, I wish you would go uh, take your little self on the road and uh, do a tour, you know, Corey Graham tour. Uh, zombie songs <laughs> tour, but um, I really liked that song. I thought it was funny and um, very original with uh, the laughing, and uh, I don't know what response you're going to get from uh, your listeners or your haters, but uh, I personally uh, love the song, and I do listen to Mail Order Zombie, and you know, I know I, it's weird. I'm, I'm a whore. I like, I whore it up. <laughs> I'm, when it comes to podcasts, I listen to so many, and uh, I have lots of favorites. But uh, one of, one thing I'd have to say about your podcast is that it's very original. It doesn't do what everybody else does, and uh, you keep it honest. Even when you're having uh, a bad podcast, you you still can um, make it great by uh, these reviews that you do, these movies, that, like the movie that you just reviewed, Mom. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, also, these old movies that you review which sometimes I want to see, but I don't because I feel like, ugh, I don't know if I can stand watching this movie. But uh, after your review, I see the good and bad in these old movies, and I think it's great that you're going back in time and, and you know, watching these movies. This is awesome. Um, also, um, I just saw a movie last week. I saw The, War- the Warriors uh, with my husband, and uh, we both really enjoyed it. Uh, it was kind of uh, weird because um, I don't know if you watched Dexter, but... Dexter's father is in this movie, uh, The Warriors. It's a really old movie. It's like from the 70s. It's kind of funny because the movie soundtrack, some of the sounds, sounds like uh, Dawn of the Dead, with similar type um, music, instrumental sounds of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, I actually told my husband it would have been nice if, uh, I don't know, somebody were to do a remake of The Warriors, but make it into like with zombies instead of um, uh, just having it like they're trying to get uh, you know, the warriors that something happens with a zombie outbreak and all these gangs become zombies. So that's my idea for the warriors. Or even make it into uh, the warriors zombie musical. I know that sounds weird, but um, that was my idea. Uh, but that's it. Uh, just wanted to say hi and tell you that I'm probably your biggest fan. Uh, I don't call you often enough, but I've been really busy. I'm a fashion designer, and I'm really busy right now. I'm also making costumes for people. And I'm actually going to be Layla for Halloween, and my husband's going to be Bender. Uh, so that's about it. Uh, I'll talk to you later, and uh, keep up the good work, and keep um, putting those songs out. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Zombie Frida, it's great to hear from you, and I'm just going to give you the title right now. You have won the title of my biggest fan. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. for. It's very flattering, and I, I hate... Uh, I don't know. I try to stay humble because I don't, I don't really think that I am anything spectacular, that I really have anything profound to offer to the world. But uh, this is just kind of what I do. And, and your words 
were very, very kind. I appreciate everything. Uh, I am feeling better. It's weird. I spent the weekend in Pittsburgh, and uh, I came back to Erie, and uh, my allergies are not bothering me at all, hardly. You know, I'm sneezing a little bit, but man, it is nothing like it was in the past few weeks, so I think I just needed a good old dose of the Berg. Yeah, that's what I needed to do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I said before, the response that uh, I got for my uh, my song, which the official title is Mail Order Zombie, Send Us Your Cash. And uh, I, I appreciate uh, that <laughs> you enjoyed that. And uh, I, don't, I have got nothing but positive, positive remarks about that, which is astounding <laughs> to me. Uh, but uh, that is a great idea. You know, touring, um, man, I would love, love to have a band and to tour. Let me tell you, I did that a lot back in the day. Uh, I, I've been in many a band throughout uh, my lifetime here, and uh, I just love playing. Uh, we'd play all kinds of little places in Pittsburgh, man, and uh, the surrounding areas. And it, that was that was a point in my life that was just one of the greatest times of my life. I love touring. Of course, my problem now is I have no band. It's me. If I could do a one-man band thing, like hook up a couple guitars and strap them onto me and, and then play things with my feet and my head and uh, <laughs> stuff like that, I can maybe pull it off. But, uh, yeah, I have no backing band. I have no backing band. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Thank you again for the comments. I always strive to be original. I don't want to be like everybody else, especially I don't want to be a horror podcast. I don't want to be lumped in as a horror podcast. And uh, thank you for appreciating the old zombie movies. You know, there there is a lot that they have to offer, and they're, they're very different. But if you get into them, it's very rewarding. And The Warriors, last thing I'm going to comment on here, The Warriors, uh, I have been meaning to see that for a long time. I've seen it. That's one of those movies that I saw on the shelf in the VHS rental store when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've meant to pick it up because I've heard good things about it. But, uh, I don't know. But Zombie Frida, thank you for calling in this week, and I hope to hear from, I hope to hear from you again very soon. Hey, Mary, what's a zombie? What? Who said anything about a zombie? Oh, I always thought it was a drink. But that fella Cortega, he says it's an old dead guy over on the island, and he walks like this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Larry. He was telling the truth. He was. It's voodooism, and not very pleasant. You see, when a man dies and is buried, some voodoo priests seem to have the power to bring him back to life. Fact is, there's an old woman living on Lost Island who has a zombie son. Two mates. Oh, shut up. How horrible. It's worse than horrible, because a zombie has no will of its own. Every once in a while, you see him walking about with dead eyes, blindly following orders, not knowing what they do and not caring. Just like husbands. Hey, well, that's the end of this podcast. I'm sorry that I've just tended to ramble on and on and on this week. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot to say about Horror Realm, though, so that's my that's my excuse. It was a great time. It was a great time. I, I really enjoy conventions and uh, just seeing people hanging out with people and making friends and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. And, uh, well, what can you do? But thank you to everybody. Thanks to Zombie Frida for calling in this week. Thank you to everybody who, uh, you've been giving me feedback about everything. And I, I just really appreciate that you listen. It's a fun time. Uh, this is just, uh, stuff that I'm really, really into. And this is what I do. Anyhow, next week, um, you know, when I was getting into the 1950s, 
as far as zombie movies go, um, I told you, you know, we're getting into the atomic age and, and things like that. But um, the, the first few movies we're going to be talking about here in the 50s uh, really aren't quite, uh, don't have the sci-fi kind of atomic thing going on quite yet. We still have some some voodoo things going on, some things that are, are more akin to uh, original zombies from the 30s and 40s like we've seen. And uh, this week, you know, that was the case because that was just the Ghostbreakers ripoff, <laughs> scared stiff. And uh, <clears throat> next week I'm going to go... Actually, we're going to see Boris Karloff again. Karloff did a lot of these zombie movies. And uh, the one Karloff movie uh, that I need to talk about that we're going to go ahead and do next week is actually from 1957. And it's called Voodoo Island. Yes, sirree. Voodoo Island. Now, of course, we're skipping over some other movies um, that uh, came before this. But that's because I want to I wanna tell you. Uh, kind of go along the lines of voodoo and things like that before we go full-blown more sci-fi kind of things, which uh, we will see uh, here coming out of the 50s. So, anyhow, um, there was one other movie, though, that uh, came out actually before, I, I believe it came out before uh, Scared Stiff. I thought Scared Stiff was maybe the first one in several years that had come out. But uh, there was always there was also a movie called Zombies of the Stratosphere. Now, this started out as a radio serial, and uh, they made it into a movie that was only about 70 minutes long. Um, apparently, it has nothing to do with zombies. Uh, they're about Martians. And at one point in the movie, they call them zombies, and, and that's it. And I remember finding that to be true when I listened to the, to the old radio shows of it. Um, so uh, I, I can't find the movie anywhere. I've been looking and looking. Can't find Zombies of the Stratosphere anywhere. But I listened to the serial, and let me tell you, it has nothing to do with zombies. So, uh, yeah, that's all we're going to say about Zombies of the Stratosphere. So at least I mentioned it. So next week, Karloff in Voodoo Island. I uh, also have more original music for you. Um, let's see, what else are we going to do next week? Um, I'm going to have more Netflix Instant Watch recommendations for you, what you should uh, pull up. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what else I'm going to talk about, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, uh, next weekend is uh, Cinema Wasteland. So yeah, man, I get to go do that too. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so anyhow... Uh, go to my website, midnightcory.com, uh, to find out all about me. Me, 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 me. Love me, love me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, if you don't want to, then don't. Um, uh, my voicemail line is 814-806-2828. I encourage you to call and let me know how I'm doing or what you like or don't like, whatever. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you again for listening. My name is Corey, and I'll talk to you again next week.
Soil, fall 